I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, coming to you live from the Pledge of Franklin States in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, January the 16th. Um, there's been a lot of basketball played <laughs> since we recorded this show, uh, so we will talk about at least some of it, um, especially that, that last one, because that last one was a doozy. Um, man, I went, I went to Clemson and came back since we had a podcast. Virginia went to Boston and came back since we, man, there's a whole lot of stuff happened. Um, so yeah, we're going to talk about Virginia's, uh, decimation of Virginia Tech last night. We're going to talk a little bit about this upcoming matchup in Durham that the Cavaliers have, uh, Ferber, everybody rest assured, Brad's not going, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to email me, no worries. All right. Ferber's going to go. He represents, uh, Cavs corner. I will be far away from Cameron Indoor. Uh, to give the Cavaliers at least a, a fighting chance of of leaving with a win. Uh, and then we'll also talk a little bit about the end uh, about the 2019 football schedule that dropped today. Um, some interesting takes, I'm sure, that these two uh, fine fellows have. I'm sure that I will say like nothing in that discussion, and they will carry uh, they will carry the, the conversation, uh, as always. Uh, before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. Up in Fishersville, David Spence is on the show. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Brad. Hi. I'm just coming out of the wormhole that is a new schedule being released. So I hope you have this timed at the end because I could go for days. Who days on the board at who days on Twitter? You're going to go for approximately 10 minutes and then I'm going to cut <laughs> and then I'm going to shut it down. Yeah. Uh, up in Arlington, staff writer Justin Ferber also on the show. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. Uh, I'm going to follow your lead and get into the prediction game and say that Brad is going to have an excellent podcast tonight. <laughs> At Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. Cavs Corner, also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner, great place for the in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. Yeah, so I did it again. I uh, I, I just like looked at Ferber and was like, what was really funny, though, is I was like, Ty Jerome's going to have a big game. And he was like, because the band's playing, he's like, what? And I was like, Ty Jerome's going to have a big game. I can't hear you. And so I had to like scream it at him, basically. Uh, but he didn't tweet it out this time, and and I said, "Don't worry, it's it's six twenty eight or whatever, seven twenty eight or whatever time it was." Um, and then he he was accountable. He was the what first nineteen points of the game were all because of him. Um, so, so he made that three, and you just kind of gave me this little look, like, see, like, and I was like, he could. This could be the only points he has all night, you know? Yeah, yeah, but, right. Yeah, you, like anybody, well, like anybody thought that was gonna happen. But hey, I mean. I'm I'm interested to see what you got next because it's going to be tough act to follow yeah. yourself. Yeah, we'll 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 see. Speaking of tough acts to follow, Virginia. I mean, I don't want to say that they <clears throat> they roll through they've rolled through the ACC schedule like a hot knife through butter, um, but they've kind of rolled through the ACC schedule like a hot knife through butter. They've led by at least twenty two points in each of the games. Right? Am I wrong? It's twenty two points. Um, heck, they led by twenty nine uh, in like a couple of them or some nonsense. Um, what happened last night, and I want to start the discussion there, right? It, I mean, I can't figure out how to isolate this. Like, in the pantheon of things that, that could happen to you, Dave, Virginia beating Virginia Tech like a drum has to be like, I mean, there's like winning the lottery, um, maybe finding out that you've got a long-lost cousin who has a crap ton of Apple stock or something, right? But like, beating Tech that badly, just 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 beating the tar out of them like that i mean it's no wonder you've already watched that game a second time um what were some of you, i mean what were some of your thoughts dave coming out of that coming out of the you know having watched it now a second time was it in your opinion do you think that uva just sort of played out of its mind doing what it does was it that you think that they were taking away what tech does what when you when you look at this thing why why do you feel like the cavaliers rolled so easily 
it's probably because I was wearing the right clothes. I don't know. I mean, it was, it's weird. Like when you beat tech like that, it feels good for a moment, but it's not a linger. Like you, it's losing to tech is much, gives you much more pain than beating tech gives you joy just because of the way tech fans act. Like they don't give a crap when they lose right there. Well, 15 straight. So it's almost like the joy is there for a moment, but I'm already on to Duke. Like that's what I posted on social media last night. That was my way of saying, I'm not even going to brag about beating tech um, on to Duke, but in the moment it was amazing. Um, you know, we always kind of joke on the podcast about, you know, there's there's going to be a night where everyone's on and watch out. And that's kind of what you saw in the first half last night. Well, not kind of. That's what you saw in the first half last night. Um, what was it, 10 for 13 or something from three or 10 for 14 from three or 11 for 14? It was crazy. Um, and at one point, it was like nine for 11. No one could miss. And they were playing equally good on the defensive end. The energy was high. Um, it, it was just beautiful basketball. Now, I, I do think, you know, Tech wasn't playing terrible. I think Tech was a little slow, but, I mean, it wasn't like Virginia was you know, hitting shots that they were, you know, wide open in the corner. Not all of them. Um, a good number of them were semi-contested. They just, you know, when, when you've got shooters of that ability and they're moving the ball quick, they make it. Um, and then defensively, I really liked I really liked everyone's activity. Um, I was, was worried about how Jack would, would play, and I think he you know, he, he did pretty well considering that's probably not the best lineup to play him against. Um, and then guys off the bench contributed. It was, it was a great team effort. It was very fun to watch. Now, I, had, I watched it again like the second Tony's press conference is over. I, I watched the game again just to watch it without the nervousness of, of losing. Um, but it was fun. I mean, I, I won't lie. I mean, I got I got a little lemon booty in the second half when Tech started hitting shots and cut it to thirteen or whatever it was. Um, but you know, th- this team is just different. So it was good. Yeah, I like how I like how I set you up for this nice question about Tech and how great it must be to beat them. And you're like, well, I mean, I'm already on to Duke. Um, you know, no big deal. You know, whatever. Um, Ferber, you and I talked a lot last night about. Um, just throughout the game of just uh, just how how impressive the Cavaliers were, um, and the and I think that the connection between this game and the previous two is is important. I I I think you can make an argument that Virginia certainly played its mind out of its mind at times last night, but at the same token, like it was sort of in line with what they've done the last few games it's just instead of Kyle guy doing a lot of the scoring this was a little bit more um this was a little bit more varied right they were 10 of 14 from three in the in the first half they only made three in the second half but it didn't really matter because you know whenever tech made a run virginia answered um coming out of this game what are what are some of your i don't want to call it necessarily takeaways just from this one result but in terms of what you've seen from virginia for the first four acc games going forward where do you feel like they are? How close to that potential are they? Are, have they started to scratch the ceiling of it? Yeah, I mean, pretty much the same question you asked Tony last night, right? Um, I, I I literally only asked Tony that question. Well, one, I wanted to, I was curious, but also two, I knew that that was going to be a through line for us on the show, and I wanted to try it because you know trying to get yeah. the podcast out there. So, I mean, I should have dropped like, hey, anybody out there care about uh, hearing some more discussion about this? That you know, because Tony is not going to answer that question, but. 
I definitely I definitely thought then that we would talk a lot about it tonight. Yeah, and I think it's a fair question because I mean, how much better can they play than how they played? Do you guys know when the last time UVA trailed was? VCU, right? VCU, right? Or in the second no, half? At yeah, all? No, no, I mean in any game. So they've trailed they trailed last at BC. It was right. with 14 minutes left in the first half. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they've gone 40 oh, my math is terrible. Um 40 80 100 Well, 100 Yeah, this is, right. this is riveting audio. No, well, it's really 114 minutes. Okay. Yeah, without trailing. So, and in AC, in the ACC. And that includes playing a top 10 team. Didn't trail for 114 minutes. That's incredible. Um, I, I think, like what Dave said, he hit it on the head last night. Everybody was on in the first half. Nobody was playing bad. Jack picked up two fouls, but, I mean, other than that, everybody was making their shots, and the offense was humming. I mean, I pay a lot of attention to when they're on the offensive end, like how guys are coming off screens and, like, you know, what they're trying to do to get people open instead of just watching the guy dribble the ball because that's way, way more interesting to me. Um and last night, guys were flying off screens, getting open, making the extra pass. I don't think we've seen the ball move like that over the course of an entire game in the Tony Bennett era that I can remember against a good team. Yeah. I mean, that ball was flying around. It, they knew. Um, it's like they knew that they had. It's, they, it's almost like they knew that if the thing gets stuck, they're 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 cooked. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they, he mentioned Tony mentioned that after the game. He, they, you know, they kind of put ball pressure on once you stop your dribble. You know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Kyle had a nice game coming off screens, and Ty made some incredible passes. Uh, he really set the tone early when he had that assist at the end of the shot clock on. I think it was the first possession of the game. Um, he kind of fired it. Yeah, he fired it down there to Mommy for a layup or a dunk or whatever mm-hmm. it was. And then he had the one where he kind of threw it behind himself to Kyle in the corner uh, in front of the tech bench, which was awesome. But, yeah, I mean, the ball movement was great. The defense, I mean – not a lot gets talked about with the defense considering how hot they were from the field last night. But, I mean, they gave up 59 points against a really good offensive team. And like Dave said, I didn't really get the sense that Tech just played terrible. I mean, if you told me coming into the game that UVA was going to lead by as many as, I think it was 23, um, and, you know, Tech was going to lose by 22 in a game that really wasn't close after the first 10 minutes or so and, and you know, show me the score – you know, we talked last week about how good are they. I think I would have been in the camp of they're not that good, but I didn't really see a team that was just playing terribly or like looked over their heads. They just got beat. I mean, yeah. they were just they were just getting beat on defense. They weren't getting there quick enough. UVA was just sharp with the passing, the extra ball movement. Uh, guys were making contested shots when they got contested on defense. Everything was you know working pretty much. I mean, they were putting ball pressure on with Kihei Clark, which I thought was disruptive. And then he got his offense going as well. And, you know, when you get him and, him and Jay Huff coming off the bench and giving you something on offense, I think that really is a lift. And I don't know if this is the ceiling, but I think it's going to be – it would be hard to imagine them playing this consistently well longer and better than they are right now. Um, so I think they're they're getting there for sure. And I think, honestly, my big takeaway from this is that the way to beat UVA is to hope they miss. Like that's the that's the way that it's gonna have to go because the way they're running their offensive sets and and Buzz Williams is right he said after the game that they're running more stuff on offense this year I think they definitely are and then they have special plays when when Huff is in the game and he can kind of extend the defense out 
I think the way to beat UVA is just to hope that they miss these shots that are either uncontested or semi-contested off ball screens because if they shoot even decent numbers, they're going to beat you. I mean, Tech shot 33% from three last night. That's not terrible. That's almost 10 points better than what UVA gives up, and they still got smoked. (laughs) Yeah. What's really interesting to me and what's sort of unwavering about this team is that Tony talks about different guys, different nights, and and, and we've talked a lot about that over the years, right, this idea that – that they they might have different pieces and sometimes it's you know so and so's team but so and so's the best player and blah 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 but like last night the balance of how they shared the load I think was the part that impressed me the most Teal pointed this out um, for all of the players who had two shots or more they made half of them at least half of them um, which is kind of imp- kind of incredible if you think about it um, it was one of those nights to to I, don't, I forget who which one of you guys made the point but it was it was one of those nights where I don't think Virginia played as well last night as these Cavaliers could play. They still turned it over nine times. Um, they still, um, you know, gave only them, got to the line six times. I was gonna say only got to the line six times. Tech, tech shot seventeen, made fourteen. Uh, they st- Virginia still allowed ten second chance points. Um, but can you can just step back for a second and talk about the fact that like the nits you have to pick with this team to like point to something that needs work, right? I mean, you could get into into the into the um, minutia of like how many minutes the starters are playing, and how you know could you use a little bit more of the bench guys to sort of buoy that. Um, I thought Kihei Clark last night. I I don't want to I don't want to jump straight to the conclusion that Kihei being able to handle the ball and shoot the way he did is the difference between you know them being really good and them being elite. But I do think that it, it's it's hard to watch that game and not come away thinking like, dude, when this kid is healthy, they're a little bit different. And the flexibility it gave them in terms of, one, they were able to put him on uh, Justin Robinson. And basically, I mean, he got a tech and basically ran Justin Robinson out of the game. Um, I don't care. I mean, look, I don't care how good people think Virginia Tech is. If Justin Robinson goes two for seven from the floor, scores nine points, only plays 28 minutes, they're not winning against Virginia. Like, that's just not going to be a thing that happens. And that's all respect to Alexander Walker, who I think is really good. That that matchup with him and Dre was was fascinating to watch. Um, I would I would sign up for that as a basketball fan, you know, 100 times out of 100. But, I mean, for, for Kihei to, to, to get the tape instead of the splint and play as well as he did and to, to, to frustrate Tech the way he did, um, you know, I, I don't, like I said, I don't want to jump to the conclusion, but I thought that was extremely meaningful in this game. And certainly, too, the, the fact that Virginia was able to, and it didn't really matter what lineup was on the floor. And, 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 and what's crazy to me is that not that long ago, not that many games ago, we were talking about offensive droughts and we were talking about, you know, how it was so concerning and how they still had these moments where they couldn't score. I mean, those things seem like such a, you know, a thing of the past. I guess, I guess you, you, you don't want to forget that they existed. You know what I mean, Dave? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to over there. There were some nits to pick in the first half. Um, the officiating was absolutely horrific. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know what that ball guy, like, I don't know how many college games he's done, but man, he struggled in that first half. Um, kind of kidding there but yeah he was terrible the uh the one thing i didn't like though obviously they were making the threes but going into halftime i want to say about 60 to 60 maybe even two-thirds of the shots virginia took in the first half were from three-point land um like that's great when you're making them i, I still think virginia is a little a, a little weak if if those shots aren't falling 
But when you've got so many guys who can make them, there's probably going to be someone who's decent each night. Um, and I, I do, I would have liked to seen us last night. Um, if you want to pick nits just to make it interesting, I would have liked to see us, you know, kind of go to the post a little more because Dre could have just feasted on the under, you know, he had a size advantage on just about everyone on the floor, except for Blackshear, who was out most of the game with foul trouble. Um, you know, I, I think Dre could feast in that situation. I think Braxton could post up a lot. Um, so there's some options. So I, I was a little, that's something that still worries me. Like where's Virginia going to score when the, when the three pointer isn't falling. Um, but when it's falling like it was last night, like I, I don't know how you, from a, I want to say they were like 1.6 or 1.7 points per possession in the they first half. Yeah, 1.75, I, mean, I think. That's insanity. Yeah. Um, for I mean, the record, Tech was plus six from the free throw line and trailed by 22 on the road. You know, for the, for the record, Dave, crazy. Uh, 10 three pointers attempted, 17 field goals. Excuse me, 10 three pointers made, 17 field goals made. So 60, 58% of their um, field goals came from three, three. Players. yeah yeah i mean and some, some of them are deep um but you know i think kihei was a big key last night you know we know what he is on on defense when he's healthy um it, it's been his offense i think that's limited his minutes of late with the with the wrist injury because he hasn't been able to go left and he hasn't been able to shoot well but i mean if kihei hitch i'll say this right now if he had kihei averages three threes a game from here on out would probably run the table in the ACC. I mean, that that's the thing he, he struggled with is hitting the open shot. Um, and last night he hit some big ones. So yeah, he did. Just, and, and Todd Jerome, Todd Jerome's a dog, man. Like, <laughs> like he, it, that guy, like you could just look at his face in that first possession and, and you knew Ty was coming to do work. Um, between well, him Brad and, knew before the game started. Yeah, I was going to say, Brad you knew. didn't have to wait for the first possession. I watched him in warm-ups. I was like, yep. Yeah, he's got that magic. You can see it. I mean, and the you thing- can remember, he's the one who missed the potential game winner last last year yeah. in regulation, and oh, I think yeah. he missed the game winner in overtime too. Yeah. I mean, they were both tough shots, but um, well, the thing about the thing about Ty, like he had that heat check three, which he shot from like Crozet, <laughs> right? But like he misses it, and it just does not slow him down. I, I thought I thought his overall floor game. In, I mean, and he played. I thought he played really good defense too. I thought. And that maybe that's the maybe that's it. Like to, to Dave's point about picking nits, like I'm not saying like we we need to. I'm just saying like it's hard to like they're in a place where they're just in that zone where it's like it's difficult to say like okay, here they are. What can they improve on? Like yeah, they can improve. You know, Jack Salt could become Hakeem Olajuwon. Like, but in general, like you look at this team and you you look at the look at the landscape, and and this will be a nice segue for for us to start talking about Duke. You look at the landscape of college basketball. Who, who can stop them other than them, right? Because I'm pretty sure that the only defense that I trust to stop Virginia is Virginia's defense. Like, if you could do one of those weird things where you could have a video game and you could play one team versus the same team, I would. I think that would be fascinating. But otherwise, like, I don't know. I mean, could you put maybe Michigan? I mean, Michigan is the only team right now that I think would legitimately give Virginia problems. And I guess that's a, that's a sneak peek to the preview I'm going to write. Uh, for the weekend, but for as you're as you're looking at this Duke game, you're going to be in Cameron Indoor this weekend. Lord willing, the creek don't rise. Um, how big is the Trey Jones injury in your opinion? And sort of how how does that change the complexion of this matchup? Will Virginia go in as a as a favorite? Uh, yeah, I think it is a, a big injury. I mean, 
Zion and RJ Barrett and, and Reddish even to an extent get a lot of the attention on that team for good reason. But Trey Jones, like Tyus Jones did his brother when he was at Duke. I mean, he kind of keeps the thing mo- moving on offense and is the I don't want to say he's the you know catalyst, but I mean he gets a lot. He he kind of sets the tone for that group and and gets the ball moving to where it needs to be. Now, does that mean that Duke can't win? Obviously not. I mean, th- they still have the projected number one and number two pick playing for sure, and then the number three potential pick Reddish is coming back from I think the flu or some sort of illness. Um, and he might be able to play if he plays great. If not, Duke still has a ton of talent. Um, where the Jones injury, I think where it causes some problems is they lean heavily like they have in previous years on the guys that are playing. And I know that sounds dumb, but you know, they don't have like a second unit really. I mean, they run those guys out there that the one and dones really, um, and the other guys, the role players, I mean, they don't they don't see the floor a lot in ACC play. I mean, they, they pick their spots. Like Alex O'Connell, I mean, like how much did he really play last year? I mean, he kind of jumped in when they needed him, but he was basically a backup that played when the game got out of hand or maybe a few minutes here or there to spot got some guy some rest. He's not like a Braxton Key type player where, you know, he just fits into a rotation. Now that means that every injury to those guys that play a lot is, is a – you know, a huge deal if the guy that is replacing him, even if they're talented, maybe doesn't have that experience. I mean, th- those players can definitely do good things. I mean, Grayson Allen almost won a national t- championship game uh, coming off the bench by himself, and he barely had played up to that point as a freshman. So anything's possible, but I think it gives UVA a little bit more of an advantage. I, I always kind of looked at it as a, a toss up sort of game that I kind of gave the edge to Duke just because it's at home. And uh, they're going to play again. So I think that ultimately a split is is probably the most likely scenario. But now with this injury coming up right before this game and then Duke not having a game to prep for, like to see how the new rotation works, like UVA didn't have one before UMBC when DeAndre got hurt. Um, I think it could actually swing the game in UVA's favor. And then if Reddish can't play, that's even more, you know, could swing it even more but I mean that still doesn't guarantee a victory this is the best team UVA will have played regardless of whether or not Reddish plays and definitely even though Jones isn't playing so my question is then all right Trey Jones is out AC joint sprain he's not playing Saturday I mean I mean unless he's like right he won't play unless he's got some Kihei Clark blood in him all right Reddish is gonna play um so yeah I don't see how he misses again I I mean he's got like four days off yeah Yeah, I think they said today he's gonna play uh, he, that he's back practicing, so he'll be fine. All right, so what do you do, Dave, if you are Tony Bennett and you've got to figure out how to D these guys up? Do I mean, I would. I know Tony doesn't like to change the lineup, um, but I'm looking at this and I'm thinking this should be the game, and you tell me if I'm wrong here, I think this should be the game where you start Braxton Key, uh, and I don't know if you bring Jack Salt off the bench. I don't know what you do. But I just don't see a place for him in this game unless Marcus Bolden's on the floor. And I'm trying to figure out how you guard Zion, Cam, and R.J. Barrett, right? I'm guessing you're going to want to put – if you're going to play key, you put key on on Williamson, right? I would at least. I put Hunter on Barrett. And then what do you do with Cam Reddish, who's like 6'7 with like a 7'2 wingspan? I I guess you put – Mamadi on him but is that going to be something that can really last how do you defend that three-headed monster Dave 
I mean, I think you start Jack because Bolton's going to start at the five. Um, I think Jack can play well against him, and I think you need that physicality, um, rim protection you know, from Zion and from RJ and even from Cam Reddish. I mean, they're all great with the ball in their hands. I think Trey Jones missing is is huge. Um, he does kind of stir the drink on the offensive end. You know, you get Zion running off the ball and RJ running off the ball. Um, it just it makes Duke a lot more, you know, a lot bigger um, menace than they already are with their talent. Uh, and on the defensive end, I, I think Trey Jones is the reason they're so good defensively. Like his ball pressure is like. He's Kihei with size, you know. Um, they get all these steals because the dude with the ball can't see. I mean, Trey's in his face the whole time, and, you know, Cam and uh, Zion are, are jumping jumping passing lanes because the point guard's guessing where to throw it to. Without him gone, I, I think they're much better. Their defense suffers. But um, as far as matchup, I would start Jack on Bolden. I don't think I'd start Key just because Key's never played in Cameron, and I think I'd want him to sit for a minute and kind of get – get an idea of what's happening there. Hmm. Um, my, I would start Mamadi because you know how I feel about Mamadi. I think Mamadi is better if he starts. He, he gets this nervous energy sitting on the bench. And I would put Mamadi on Zion to start. Um, hope his length bothers him. And I think it's a good challenge. Like I think Mamadi does respond to challenge. And I'd like to see him say, hey, Mamadi, you're going to start on Zion. Try to stop him. Um, I think you put – I'd probably put Dre on RJ – Tie on reddish and you know I don't know I guess I guess O'Connor I don't know who's going to start <laughs> you know I guess Jordan Goldwire maybe I'm going to say the Goldwire yeah. kid you know what's funny I, is I think I White's the... going to start to be honest with you Probably. they're going to move they're going to yeah. run RJ at the point um, um, what I think I, the mistake I just made in talking about it is I'm trying to get more size on the floor but the reality is is that you probably could put Kihei I mean I realize that Barrett is what six seven. But we didn't we just watch UMBC have this little point guard who just pestered the crap out of you know what I'm saying like I I wonder if that's not a, 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 a an avenue at least Tony would be interested in is to see Kihei try to uh, to stay in front of Barrett and just pester the crap out of him because I think one of the things that's interesting about this game is with Trey Jones out it's it sort of takes away the matchup sort of symmetry right. Because that would probably be, you know, the guy that Clark sticks. It's going to put more pressure, I think, on Virginia in a way. Because now you're going to be asking, you know, Kyle and Ty to guard guys who are longer and more athletic. Um, if the lineup is um, Barrett at the one, maybe O'Connell at the two, or maybe they play, maybe they run Reddish at the two, Jack White at the three, Zion at the four, and then Bolden at the five, right? If that's the lineup. I'm, but to Ferber's point, like they're not going to play many more dudes. Like maybe Delarier gets a cup of coffee, the Goldwire kid gets it. But I mean, realistically, like they're going to have to ride with who they are. Um, and I mean, I think one of the things that that is very underrated about playing Virginia, we talk a lot about defense, but I think one of the things that you've seen UVA do to people this year is make you work on offense. Like when they, when excuse me when Virginia has the ball, so like they run their stuff. And, I mean, dudes are just flying everywhere, to Ferber's point earlier. And that takes a lot out of you. And this Duke team without Trey Jones, I mean, it would be essentially the equivalent of Virginia, I mean, not having, what, Z uh, Zay 
a year ago. Like, because Trey Jones is, I mean, like, I'm not trying to take anything away from the other guys on the roster, but Trey Jones is defensively for them. That pressure is important. And I just feel like not having him in and not having a game, I, I expect Virginia to go into this game as a favorite. Does anybody disagree with that? It'll be close. I mean, I think. Yeah. I mean, the line, I think, will be. It'll probably open as a pick on, to be honest with you. Yeah, I was going to say something like that. Maybe like Duke minus one. I, I think I think Virginia will close the favorite just because people yeah. are, think they know something. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I, I still don't love the matchup. I, I know you guys think I'm conspiracy guy, but I, I expect it to be a tightly called game because I can guarantee you Coach K is going to be working those rests from the whistle on because he knows if he can get Virginia in foul trouble, it even sings out for him. And he, Tony, Tony typically doesn't react back. But well, last we year, about Cameron, every he, year. he, did he was freaking year. out. Yeah. And it, yeah, and last won. year, I've never seen him like that. Kay will bully the, bully the refs, and I expected to happen from the get-go. I'd be absolutely shocked if Virginia leads in the first half and Kay doesn't pick up a, a technical. Like I, I've seen him for years. I know that's his MO when they're shorthanded as he, he bows up and wants to protect his guys, right? And so you know, the guys are going to have to be careful because they're going to be quick whistles early. Um, that's why I'm a little worried about Jack, you know. A little worried about Mamadi, but I think you gotta you gotta go with yeah. it. Um, I think the thing is, the Duke just doesn't shoot the three about. well. So, so Ferber, yeah. you're going to be our own on-site um, correspondent, or whatever you want to say for this game. Um, Dave mentioned the idea of you know maybe you don't want to start Key because he hasn't played in Cameron. Um, mm-hmm. Is is somebody who's been there a couple of times? Right. Excuse me. You've been there the one time, right? So you've been there most. I've been to the. I've been in the building twice. Right. So, I, I, I when he, when Dave said that, my immediate reaction was like, it's not that big a deal. Like, it's a big deal. Don't get me wrong, but it's not that big a deal. Like, you played it. If you can play at Maryland, you can pl- you can play at Cameron. Like, it, it's not. You're you're not gonna be shaking in your in your draws. How, what do you? Where do you come down? Who's right? Me or him? I, I think it's. I think it's a big deal when the game starts. Like everybody's kind of like, oh, this is cool. But I think the fact that they've already played there helps. Um, I mean, Braxton hasn't, and Kihei hasn't. But I mean, most of the guys from last year's team are back, and they all played there and, and conquered the environment, so to speak. But I think every team kind of it affects differently. I think this will be kind of a, a different sort of test, just because it's a big game. But um, and obviously, like a, a spotlight game, the college game day. I think that, uh, you know, I always have this phrase I say where two things can be true at the same time. I say that all the time. You, um, you do, I, huh? You do? Yeah, I'm, I'm the person on this podcast yeah. that says that okay. all the time. Um, no, I think that, yeah, I think that the environment will play a factor. But, yeah, like you said, I don't think it's like it's the court's the same size that rims 10 feet. Like once the game starts, it's loud in there. But, you know, it's it's not like it's not like three times louder than every other building. It's just a little bit louder and, and it's a great crowd, great environment and, and it should be a tough place to play. But it, it, yeah, I don't think there's anything like, you know, mythical about it. If they lose, it's probably just going to be because they didn't play that well or because Duke just played at the potential. One thing I want to, I want to note here is if there was ever a group that just could not give a crap less, I think it's the opposite. Actually. I think they love it. No, no, that's what I mean. Who could not give a crap less about being trying to be intimidated, right? Like, these dudes, these dudes are just different, man. Like, they thrive off that in a way that is borderline unhealthy. Like, they are, they are, 
game. And like, you know, I, I asked Ty after the Florida State game, you know, hey, look, you, you know, you approach every game the same and such, such, such. Um, but this is a top 10 matchup. And did that add any juice? And he's like, look, you're human. Like, you can't not be excited for big games. Like, they're going to go into this building and they're going to be there. I mean, the, the level of confidence that they're going to go into. Has a Virginia team ever been as confident as this team will be going into this game? Right? Like, think about that. Yeah. Like, how, how much, like, not just what they've done, but the fact that they won there last year. And I understand, Dave, that's a fair point. That, you know, Braxton, Kihei, two important pieces have not been there. I just look at this and I go, Duke is, 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 the, is the team with the NBA talent, um, but I don't think they're the better team. I, I think with if Trey Jones is healthy, then it's a heck of a dis- discussion. But right now, they're not the better team because they're going to have to rely on ancillary pieces because Virginia's style of play is going to require them to, to rely on Alex O'Connell and Jack White and the Goldwire kid if he plays. and Jab- like They're going to require Duke to have to rely on more than just the three guys that, they, that we know about, right? And the style of play in and of itself – like. Has Duke been – I mean, I know Duke has played a tough schedule in, in spots, and I realize that this is a home game, so some of that's set up well for them. But ha, has Duke been – has Duke played a team as good as UVA? I don't think so. I mean, I think at this point it's, it's either UVA or Michigan in terms of who's the best team in the country. And I don't think – I mean, I we're talking about whether Virginia's ready for Duke. I just don't know if Duke's ready for Virginia. What do you think, Dave? I mean, I, I think Texas Tech's probably the best team Duke's played. Um you know, and very similar to us defensively. Just, I don't know. I mean, I don't think this Duke team is as much of a threat to the way we play as last year's Duke team was. Um, just because uh, I think, you know, the, the post guys last year were just freaky good. Zion's good, you know, really good. Reddish and Barrett are good. But I think they're just – we see players like those guys, right? I mean, they're good at they're very good at it, but we see wing talented wings like Reddish and and Barrett. Now Zion's a little bit different animal, but you don't see two bigs like Duke had last year very much, and they were really hard to match up with. Um, and Virginia did a very good job for what thirty minutes of the game last year. Duke had like a ten minute span, and that was enough to make it a competitive game. Um, the reason I said I wouldn't start Key and Kihei though is that I think early on possessions are very important, and uh, when you think about as Justin was saying, like everyone's played there, right? So, um, so if you can start five guys that have played there, and you have that steadiness to get the team going, I, I don't see the the point in risking Kihei or Key. And I also worry about starting Key just because he'd probably have to match up with Zion. And I think, yeah, I'd rather have a big body on Zion to follow him and keep him from dunking and getting the crowd going early. Um, you can, yeah, I'm not too worried about. I think Virginia will play well. Um, you know, I think this is probably Kyle Guy's turn. You know, the UMBC point guard is supposed to be there. It should be. You know, we know Kyle's excited about that. So um, I'm very much looking forward to it. It's going to be a long day Saturday waiting for this game now. Let's um, – and I feel like that's a good place to put a pin in that conversation. But before we do that, I want to get some quick predictions. Dave, give me nuts and bolts how you feel like this is going to go down. Uh, I think Virginia's going to shoot the ball well from three. Uh, my my concern with Duke isn't their big three. It's, it's Jack White kind of getting loose and hitting some threes. Um, I think Virginia wins it by four, and I'm going to go 68-64 who's. 
All right, Ferber, you're you're not handling the preview duties for this one. I am, but what what do you expect? What for? You, what do you expect to see Saturday afternoon or evening? I guess the case may be. Yeah, I mean, like I said before, I, I was completely prepared to pick Duke um, just because they're at home and and they play twice, and I think they're. I think Duke is really good and potentially could win the national championship. Um, but I kind of agree with what Dave said, actually. I just wanted to chart and chime in on that. I think that Duke is built like a team that UVA plays all the time in the ACC. They're just – the players are better. But the the pieces, the way they fit, Zion is kind of like a – he's like an alien. So, I mean, like you can't really compare him to anybody. But Barrett, Regis, those are guys that UVA has seen on other teams. They're just probably a little bit better. Um, but that doesn't mean like the game plan changes. I think UVA wins it. Um, just, I think the Trey Jones injury kind of puts them over the top and the way that UVA is playing right now, if they just, if they play like they're playing now, they're not losing to anyone. Like they're just, they're just not going to, um, obviously you can't play like this probably for an entire season and they haven't played every game since November this way, but I think that UVA goes down there and gets it done. Uh, the injury, I think, like I said, is a game changer. And uh, I think UVA will be pretty confident. And I think they'll find a way to, you know, limit Duke's ability to get turnovers and get into transition. And then I think they'll shoot the ball well and, and get it done. I think UVA wins it something like 70, a little bit higher scoring, 73-68, 73 67 something like that. I, um, I don't want to spoil the preview. Um, but I'll just say it like this: <clears throat> If Trey Jones was playing this game, I would have a very different idea of what's what's about to happen. I, I think Virginia is the better team. I think Virginia is the more cohesive team. Um, I, I think Duke's going to be better. Duke's likely to be better than I expect them to be. Um, but I, I just, I'm going to have to see a team. It's like I'm, I'm going. Somebody's going to make me going to have to throw me a strike. I'm going to have to see a team mess with UVA's chemistry and. And connections and the sort of the um, the un th- that innate sort of way that they all seem to be playing well together. Um, somebody's gonna have to. It's gonna have to happen before I predict it. Let's just say I, I expect UVA to win this thing um, seven eight points. Um, I think there's gonna be at least one one of those ancillary pieces that's gonna have a better day. Um, that that's what feels right. I don't know if it's gonna be Jack White or the O'Connell kid or who, but um, I, I also think that. This is going to be a, an experience for Duke in the sense that they have not played a defense that can defend the way Virginia is going to defend them. Today's point earlier, I'm not a conspiracy guy, but um, you know certainly the idea that, that how this game is officiated will, will will go a long way to sort of deciding how it is played. And if if they let them be physical, Duke's in Duke's in trouble. Um, and I understand that Zion is like six seven two eighty five, um, but you know at the end of the day. The, the the way Virginia shares collectively, um, I just think that you're gonna have to you're gonna have to show me a team to beat them uh, before I expect it to happen. And yeah, if if Key is the one drawing him, yeah, he gives up a bunch of weight, but I mean that kid's strong too. Um, and I'm really curious to watch that thing unfold. All right, let me give you guys ten minutes here at the end. Talk about the 2019 football schedule. It, it is it is out in case you have missed it. Virginia going to open the season. Uh, on August the 31st at Pittsburgh. Cavaliers will come back on September the 6th at home on Friday afternoon slash evening, we would imagine, um, for William and Mary. They get three home games in a row there. Florida State the next week, Old Dominion the week after that. Uh, they'll go on the road for two at Notre Dame at Miami um, with a bye week in between the two. 
they get Duke on October the 19th. They'll go to Louisville on the 26th, go to Carolina on the, on the 2nd of November, and then they will close out their schedule with three home games with a bye between the Georgia Tech game on the 9th, the Liberty game on the 23rd, and then you get Tech on Black Friday uh, at home. Um, so overall, Ferber, let's start with you. You're, you're, our, you're our resident uh, scheduling and TV savant here. Um, I, I know you said on, on Twitter that you, that you sort of like the draw. Talk to us a little bit about what you do like and, and what, what are some of the things you maybe you don't like about this slate. Yeah, uh, I think that it's just a little different than, you know, schedules we've seen in the past where it seems like usually they close with a really tough November, but this year it looks a little bit more open. I think that if you just look at the games without looking at the dates and where they're being, you know, played, there is a tough stretch in there of, or what could be a tough stretch of four road games in five starting with Notre Dame on September 28th and then ending with November 2nd against North Carolina, road dates at Notre Dame, Miami, Louisville, and North Carolina, and then a Duke home game sandwiched in the middle of those four. That looks like, man, they got to go on the road four out of five, but there's bye weeks thrown in there. So, you know, UVA gets a week off between Notre Dame and Miami, and then they get the home game. And honestly, the, the, the next two road games, while on the road they are, uh, they are winnable. I mean, at Louisville, Louisville, I don't think they're going to be much better this year than they were last year. I think that Scott Satterfield is going to have to take some time to get them right unless they get like a transcendental quarterback transfer or something. Um, I mean, I think they'll be better, but I don't think they'll be that much better. Uh, and then North Carolina is in transition. And, and again, they're, they were almost as bad as Louisville. Like they, they, they've been bad the last two years. So I don't think they're going to all of a sudden be amazing. They, they probably will improve to somewhere around 500, but I think that's a winnable game. The, the November stretch, I think is really nice for UVA. They go, they have that at North Carolina game, November 2nd, and then they don't go on the road again. Uh, they go, they had the Georgia tech game at home on the ninth. Then they have a bye. Uh, you know, I kept the funny thing is I kept thinking like, oh, it's nice to have the buy after Georgia Tech, and then I remember they don't run the option anymore, <laughs> so it doesn't matter. Um, and then they close with your, Liberty. You got to teach your brain to, <laughs> to remember Paul Johnson's not there. Yeah, and then they get Liberty at home, and after the buy, and then close with Virginia Tech on uh, Black Friday again. But yeah, I mean, you might look at the schedule and see the three Friday games and say, you know, that's tough, or people don't like Friday games. But if you think about it. The first one is against an FCS team, so you should be able to win that one. The second one is at Miami in what will probably not be a great atmosphere, uh, and that's after a bye week. And then the last one is after Liberty and after a bye week before that. So I think that they at least set those up to where they're, you know, one's a winnable game, another one is after a bye, and the last one's after Liberty. So, I mean, I think that it kind of helps negate or, you know, offset the fact that, you have three Friday games, which isn't ideal. But other than that, I think it, the ending is, is great. And I think that August, September provides some challenges. I mean, they could be one and two. It's not that crazy. Pitt and Florida State could both be pretty good next year. We're not sure. I mean, but they're both ACC teams, so you got to bring it. But I think if they can get through that stretch better than that, then they have a, a nice ending to the season, unlike usual. Dave, you are not yeah. going to be very kind, I would imagine, to this open this home opener on a Friday afternoon, given the time frame. So I want to let you sort of air your grievance, and then you can talk a little bit about the schedule before we wrap up. Yeah, I mean, I just think I talked about it after the Pittsburgh game this year. I mean, 
Charlottesville's not a town set up for Friday evening games. Um, you know, it, uh, I don't want to go in a long dodge. If you were at the Pittsburgh game, you know why. Like, you, you can't get in your tail can't get in your tailgate spot. Still late. Traffic is coming coming in, in when it's going out. Not to mention, it's you know the first Friday of the school year for most people in the state of Virginia, most kids in the state of Virginia. Um, and it's William and Mary. So I, I think there's going to be a good number of fans who would normally come out to the first game who would probably say, Hey, they're playing Florida state next week. Let's wait for that one. Um, that said, it's football is I'll be there. Uh, I just, I wish Virginia wouldn't, I wish there was a way for Virginia not to host Friday night games. You know, they're already playing tech on black Friday when the students aren't there. That's one thing, but two, eh, let's not do that again. Um, but you know, I'm sure just like last year, you know, by the time the season rolls around, there's going to be someone that looks like a tough game that ends up not being tough. Um, so I, I don't want to focus too much on individual teams because who knows what Louisville, Carolina, Georgia Tech would be. Um, I just saw some interesting things like uh, September 14th. When By September 14th, when we finished playing the Florida State game, we will have already played 25% of our ACC schedule. Um you know, Virginia could potentially be two and zero in the ACC September fourteenth. That would be good. They could, they could potentially be zero and two, which would not be so good. Um, I think getting Pitt early is great. I think that's a you know we kind of knew Virginia was playing this Friday, and it was going to either be at Pitt or home with Virginia Tech were the only two options there with the way the schedule is falling. So I'm glad they didn't go the Virginia Tech way, as I got fearful they might towards the last few days there. Um, you know, pitch replacing a lot. So like that game early, I like Florida state early. Um, the other thing that's really interesting and it's after September, Virginia, Virginia plays seven games after into September, five of those teams will have new coaches next year. Um, there's a stretch Louisville, North Carolina, Georgia tech and Liberty four games in a row with the bye weeks stuck in there, all four new head coaches. Um, and then you had Miami the week before Duke. So five of our five of six there have, have a new head coach. Um, and then William and Mary has a new coach as well. Yeah. So, you know, who, half of this, the teams we played the this coach year. Mary? I, don't, I don't think I know the guy. I don't know. Well, you'll just have to stay tuned for our preview of the William and Mary game, <laughs> which will be posted sometime around September 4th. Yeah. I think the last thing I had on the schedule was just I kind of went and looked and saw oh God, who's playing who before sense. we play them. Um, some some games of note. Let's see. Virginia plays Louisville at Louisville the week before um, Louisville hosts Clemson. So that's a big two games for them. The week before we go to Notre Dame, they they go to Georgia. Um, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of tough. And then oddly enough, Liberty plays at BYU. Too. <laughs> that's the last game they play before they play us. I did see something. I, God, I can't believe I'm going to say this and keep this conversation going. But um, I did see something that from one of the guys who covers Notre Dame that basically of the five ACC teams that Notre Dame is going to play, four of them have a bye before they play Notre Dame, and one of them is playing ODU. Like, yeah, join the conference. Yeah, right. <laughs> to the victor go the spoils. Um, no, I think it's a. I think it's a very manageable slate. I, I'm interested to. I, I sort of like the the symmetry of it all. The you know you're playing. Uh, two here, three there, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but I, I think closing the season with three home games, um, and then have you know, 
just sort of the way that all sets up for them is 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 really uh, intriguing. And I mean, I don't see any reason why they, you know, given what we know Virginia is supposed to have coming back, I no reason to think that they can't, you know, beat Pitt to to open the season. Given what Pitt's losing and and some of the changes in the coaching staff there, um, I I I don't I don't have any reason to think they can't win that game. Especially, I mean, we've seen what Bronco and his guys can do with lots of time. I mean, given what they did to South Carolina. Um, you know, once the kids responded yeah. to it. So I don't really know what to make of that being the week one game. I mean, obviously, I, I it, it'll build more intrigue for the start of the season, I think, than a game against like William and Mary would. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it, the, the only drawback for me is that last year after I saw them play, I was like, I'm not picking Pitt to lose again to UVA because I always do and they always win. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think if you can split those first two games, I mean, obviously, I'm not writing off the possibility that they can win both. Um, but if they could split Pitt and Florida State and be three and one going to South Bend, rather than two and two, I think that, or or maybe even four and zero oh, instead of being two and two, I think you got you know some momentum building for the second half of the schedule, rather than having to kind of like stay above water at 500. Right. Yeah, I, I do like kind of you know. In a, in a mythical world where Virginia wins the first five, like you know, Virginia can like get some national exposure if they come out and go four and zero, go to Notre Dame and win, obviously. Um, so it's, you know, I'd like to be six and zero hosting Duke. Yeah. That sounds nice. And then obviously with the with the launch of the ACC network, you know, we're gonna have to, we won't have any more Raycon games. There won't be any more RSN. Rest no more. Yeah. So I mean, everything should probably be on television. The Pitt game will almost surely be on ACC Network. The Wave and Mary game will definitely be on ACC Network. Um, and Virginia Tech, you know, obviously is a Friday. Miami's a Friday. So, I mean, I think that there's going to be more exposure for UVA this year than they've had in the past. But, you know, it's all about what you do with it. Very true. If you are someone who found the podcast through the website, I want to thank you for giving us a listen. As always, if you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you get your shows. And give us a review that always helps folks to find us, uh, get us uh, more eyeballs, more listens, more downloads, whatever you want to call it. Now, if you're somebody who found uh, the pod but you have not given us a look, uh, check us out, CavsCorner.com. Right now you can read um, our Take 2, which is a feature I borrowed from Ferber <laughs> from football, uh, where I break down the, the result, the player of the game, talk to you about basically two takes, why did UVA win the game, and what does it mean for them going forward. Uh, we also got video of, uh, of Kia Clark talking about um, – finally having that splint off his wrist and how he feels and and why he enjoys it when people throw basketballs at his head um which i thought was funny um and then as you listen to this coming up later today uh we've got our updated acc power rankings that ferber's going to do and then he's got a column coming tomorrow as you listen to this um and like i said before i'll be handling the uh preview duties for the duke game um as he heads down to uh to durham so again i want to thank everybody out there for supporting the show i also want to thank dave and ferber for giving graciously of their time as always i very much appreciate it uh, so for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.